nostalgia, memories, growing up in Central Florida in the 1990s. What a bunch of sappy crap. It's the Sappy Crap Podcast. Starring Steve Bauman and Jarman Day. Welcome to the Sappy Crap Podcast, where the names are changed, but the stories are real. I'm Jarman. And I'm Steve. That's right. The stories are real. At least how our dusty brains have kept them. At this point, they're so long gone. They're just whispers in the wind. (laughs) (laughs) And we're here to tell stories that only two longtime best friends can. So buckle up while we talk about food. 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 (laughs) And we actually have some feedback before we jump into that. We, from our Being a Cad episode, which you can catch a couple episodes back, I believe, mm-hmm. we have from Sean Vanderloo, our old friend of the podcast and uh, one of the hosts of the, uh, not Sci-Fi Cosmic Waffle. Pizza. Cosmic Pizza. I was going to say Sci-Fi Waffle, his old podcast, and The Soul Forge. He says on YouTube, fantastic episode, laughed out loud several times, could have been a Soul Forge episode, LOL. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Sean. Yeah, it was, it was risque. It was, uh, it was out there. That was probably one of our more... Uh, you know, saucy episodes. So check that out. But we're going to talk about food today. So oh, yeah. what's, what's the first thing you want to talk about with regards to food, Steve? Well, let's open with a question like we always uh, mm. open with. What was the first thing you remember being able to cook independently? So I have two answers. One is the easy thing that is not really cooking. But when I'm left home alone, my my you know, my parents would work late and I'd be kind of fending for myself for dinner, which is fine because I was old enough. And I think I was probably into middle school at this point. And I would make ramen noodles or I'd make a hot pocket or I'd make Chef Boyardee because um, those are things that were there available to us. And sometimes I just eat it right after school and then I'd be hungry when my parents came home. We eat again, you know, so it was fine. I had a voracious appetite. You were a growing boy. Growing boy. Uh, but the first thing I cooked on my own, like that was a real meal that was Probably not until college um, when I'm on my own and I just figured out how to make spaghetti with uh, ground beef or ground turkey as I usually would do it nice. and some sauce. And I'd get creative and add some onions and, and garlic. But for years, that was pretty much all I had was that that I could cook and I could do that. Maybe stir fry. That was it. But now okay. I now I cook a plethora of things. But that was like. I could cook back then. What about you? What's the first thing you remember cooking? Uh, the easy thing, and once again, similar easy answer was like Bach mac and cheese. Oh yeah, that's but that's, I remember that's some steps. That's some steps to it. As a kid, though, being really concerned with getting everything right, like oh my god, how much water? Two cups, and going and getting the measuring cup instead of it's like oh yeah, let's fill the saucepan halfway. Right, <laughs> and it's like oh the the noodles have to cook for nine to twelve minutes. Well, it's been ten minutes. I've been long enough. Instead of just looking at the noodles and being like yeah, they're done. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny as a kid, it just seemed like so much more of a bigger ordeal versus when I make it for Joyce now. It's like, ah, whatever. Like well, I think two tablespoons have, of butter, eh, it's about two tablespoons. Once there you have kids, go. I'm sure it's like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> but I'm two still like that. Two tablespoons of milk. How much is that? Should I measure that? But now it's just like dash of milk, whatever. <laughs> what about like a, a, a more real meal with your adult life? It's uh, the first thing you remember being kind of doing well with. You figured it out. You know, spaghetti is one of those those ones that like got me through post college years. Right. Uh, I I find I feel like I do um, southern gravy really well. So I do biscuits and gravy occasionally. Ooh, that sounds great. Yeah. Um. So yeah, southern sausage gravy is one of my my go tos. That's a good one. 
And I would say uh, a, a trigger warning to our audience. If you're hungry, don't listen to the rest of those episodes. That's right. <laughs> and I feel like I make soups well. Okay. Like I have a good idea of what flavors are supposed to go together. Mm-hmm. And things that just make a good soup. So if you have these things, you're probably going to end up with an okay soup. Very nice. And you have like a lot of tools in your kitchen now. You got the air fryer. You got the, 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 uh, what do you call it? The Instapot. Instapot. You got Instapot. Oh man, I love my air fryer. I've heard. I like the Instapot, but man, do I love my air fryer. People rave about it. They are. I mean, it's phenomenal. It's truly phenomenal. I don't like, we don't use the microwave for anything anymore. Oh yeah. That's great. Like reheat leftovers, air fryer. You want the crispiest tofu you've ever had in your life? Air fryer. Mm. Piece of toast? Air fryer. That's pretty great. I gotta get me one of them. I told the toaster to take a friggin' hike. (laughs) Well, I've been a longtime proponent of using an oven or toaster oven, if you got it, to reheat pizza leftovers. Because, man, if you take the extra time to preheat your oven, plan ahead, you know, like you're going to take a shower, preheat the oven first if you want to have some leftover pizza later. Put that in the oven. It is just as good, if not better, than when you first got it from the, the pizza place. Uh, I, I'm going to one-up you. The air fryer is better. Oh, I bet. I don't even it has, use it. It has a reheat <laughs> button on it mm. that's just perfect. Just perfect. That's awesome. I didn't know it could do things like that. That's oh, great. my God. Well, we have one that has like nine buttons. There are some with less buttons. Mm. Like more and less complicated. Yeah, exactly. Well, now I, I, the girlfriend and I, we have every plate, which is one of those meal delivery services, one of the cheaper ones because there's less selection, but it's, you know, it still made it so it wasn't more expensive than us getting groceries, where a lot of them are more expensive than if you just got groceries. Right. This one, we actually calculate, oh, that's actually kind of the, around the amount we were spending on groceries, but we get different meals every week and I had to, I cook them and I've learned so much because I've done probably, you know, over a hundred meals with that now. And I just like cooking all different kinds of food and fish and chicken and pork and beef. And it's just, it's been wonderful learning how, that there's this whole world and everyone's exposed to, <laughs> but, <laughs> but growing up, uh, I, I said that I did mention that I ate a lot, probably you, you with me, a lot of chef Boyardee ramen noodles and hot pockets. I read you guys always had just so many hot pockets in the freezer. We had the big box store. My mom would go to the Costco and she'd get the, the big, huge package of Hot Pockets and we'd get the Chef Boyardee and, and, and the mass. Um, it was wonderful. But what are some of the foods you had growing up at your house that were kind of the staples for dinner that you would have with your parents and that kind of thing? Um, so my favorite, like the thing that will always be like my favorite thing was uh, my dad's tuna noodle casserole. Ooh, I love some tuna noodle casserole. You know, absolute classic casserole. Uh, and just, you know, it was something that dad and I had a lot. Yeah. Uh, And then another thing that was more so when we went to visit my grandmother and once my dad explained it to me, because I thought that it was something they had all the time, but it wasn't, it was my dad's favorite. So when we went to visit grandma, she made it because my dad was visiting and that was a a dish called slum, Mm. which is like very much like depression era dish. (laughs) Sounds like like very much depression era dish. Uh, that's just uh, noodles, ground beef, celery, onion, crushed tomatoes, and like cheese. And not even like real cheese, like Velveeta cheese food product. Oh, my God. I had that when I went to your dad's uh, retirement party. Yeah, probably. It was delicious. I, I make it when I go. Really irks my mom. I remember <laughs> she was like, so you're here for your birthday. What do you want for your, what do you want to do for your birthday? I was like, let's do slum. And she's like, so you don't want like fish or <laughs> something healthy, something or- nice here. And I'm like, no, nah, I want slum. 
It's got wonderful <laughs> things in it. It's just wonderful. It's a classic. <laughs> uh, what, what, what about you? What was the, the thing that your, your parents made that you just loved? Well, my um, my mom has always been an incredibly hard worker and she's either she was in school growing up because she got two doctorate degrees or she was you know, doing night school while working or she was just working late at the, the law firm she works at. So she she didn't have a lot of time to make these completely complex meals. But when she cooked, my sister and I, we loved it. Um, and it was and it's nothing that a normal circumstance you'd be like oh that's a gourmet meal but she had spaghetti that she would make and her secret ingredient was ketchup and it sweetens up the sauce and it made it it was Ooh, delicious zesty it was I yeah it made a sweet zesty. sauce it was nice and hamburger helper which is a classic it's it helps oh yeah it helps busy parents make some food for their kids and it's freaking delicious i don't care what anybody we did says some, we did some hamburger helper too tuna helper as well is pretty good I'll, I'll throw it out there and it's cheap and it's affordable and it feeds the kids um and the, the the staple she had though which i think she got from her mom was uh she called it mommy's good noodles which is adorable but um <laughs> <laughs> I, I still call it as a day but it's uh basically egg noodles those thick noodles you know you can buy in the yeah. store and then cream of mushroom either cream of mushroom soup or i think there actually is just a thing called cream of mushroom from campbell's yeah um and then maybe some milk in there and it's and with some ground beef or some chicken sometimes and it's just this delicious uh noodles you'd never think to put cream of mushroom on and that's what you described is basically tuna noodle casserole oh, <laughs> that's yeah. literally what you just described I didn't even realize yeah we would just put it in the pot it wouldn't be like a baked thing but um uh okay yeah, and it was just you put it in a baked dish, put it in the oven, got yourself a casserole. That that sounds wonderful. I didn't know it was with cream and mushroom. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing was from my grandmother. Like you said, your grandma had a thing with the slum. My grandma, I think I might have talked about this in the holiday episode, but she made this amazing southern potato salad, and it was just it's oh, very man. plain by itself. But if she showed it to us warm, which is very unusual for potato salad, but it might be a southern thing. Um, and it was just delicious. And now, thankfully. Um, my aunt has the recipe. She makes it, and I'm, hopefully, I'm going to grab it from her. You know, if I can someday. Um, but it's one of those family like the things. Friggin' hamburger. <laughs> exactly. Rebel, rebel. But what's weird is that we didn't have a lot of vegetables growing up. That wasn't a thing my mom liked very much. So Ashley, my sister, and I didn't eat a lot of vegetables. But now, and my mom's not very experimental with food. She has a particular palate, and so my sister and I though eat anything now, and we eat lots of vegetables. And so strangely, it worked out. Um, yeah, so are you kind of a picky eater still, or do you eat pretty much anything? I eat a lot. There's some ingredients I will just never like. I don't like most seafood. Oh. I don't care for shellfish, like, at all. Love shellfish. Um, I like raw mushrooms. I don't like cooked mushrooms. And I hate bell peppers in pretty much any form wow. at all. That's quite a bit. But most things otherwise, most other vegetables and stuff, I'm fine with. Well, that's good. I think mine only are olives. I cannot stand the taste of olives. And then bananas, I can't stand the consistency or the taste or the smell Fair. of bananas. They they repulse me for some reason. I wish they didn't. They're a handy snack. They're healthy, a lot of potassium. And we don't get a lot of potassium in our diets as people in general. So Dude, just have a single leaf of bok choy and you're done. You Ooh, got all the really? I do like yeah. bok choy. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, I think... So one of my all-time favorite foods, I'll ask you the same question after I've finished mm-hmm, this, mm-hmm. at when I was a kid outside of the home was this thing called the Monterey Jack chicken sandwich from Wendy's. <laughs> and it was like the McRib from McDonald's where they, you know, they bring it back and they take it away for a while for some reason and then they bring it back. It's a big deal. They did the same thing with the Monterey Jack chicken sandwich. 
And I would get all excited when I see the commercials on TV that it's coming back in two weeks. I'm like, oh, I have to get some. And so I remember my parents telling the story because I was like eight years old. And I, in one sitting, I ate two of them and a whole thing of fries and was felt fine. And I just, I was so happy. I was like in the happiest place in my world. Yeah. You were like a drug fiend. Oh yeah. Just devouring these sandwiches. And it, they have a similar thing on the, at least the American uh, Wendy's menu now called the Asiago ranch chicken sandwich, but it's not quite the same for some reason. Cause the old sandwich was just a chicken fried chicken breast, Monterey Jack cheese. And I think ranch dressing with lettuce and tomato. And that's pretty much the same sandwich as the Asiago ranch chicken sandwich, but it's not the same. It's just not. And they never brought it back. And I'm so pissed. It's been like 15 years. I would Those eat sons it. of bitches. Oh, I would eat it in a heartbeat. <laughs> Is there a food like that? Like you went out to get that you were always excited about? Um, I mean, I was a big McDonald's kid. In fact, my dad will attest that my first three syllable word was McDonald's. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. But like, there's nothing better like a McDonald's hash brown. Oh, in the morning. Yeah. There's like nothing better. That little in, hockey puck of love. <laughs> oh, yeah. It like burns your mouth, but you don't care because you just want it in there. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> if you don't get that first one in, how are you going to get the next three in your mouth? You know, like that, that kind of thing. You're supposed to eat one of those. Shh, <laughs> shh, shh, quiet, quiet. <laughs> I want them to make a breakfast sandwich where both buns are replaced with those. Oh, I, I would totally eat that. Just melt right? your mouth. <laughs> Everyone would. McDonald's, get on it. Oh, my God. So that was the big thing. That was what you wanted to do. Oh, yeah. I was always a McDonald's kid growing up. So I have to say, out of all the fast food burger joints, which has the best fries? Um, McDonald's still has it. Oh, see, I think McDonald's has the worst of all the. If food. I can get McDonald's fries with like a Wendy's burger, get those two together, I think I'd be. That's be pretty happy fair. Cooper. I mean, but one of my favorite things is the double quarter pounder with cheese. It's like a dream of mine. I just I love that thing. I don't eat it anymore most of these days. But yeah, you and then you hate yourself. Yeah, but the three fries though. McDonald's, I feel the droopiest, greasiest ones. And then Burger King has those wonderful, crispy fries. Uh, but Burger King's burgers are so bad. No, the, yeah. I'm not a the fan. The fake yeah. smoke flavor is just so overwhelming. It's always there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're not, I'm not for their burgers necessarily. I'll eat them if I have to, but their fries are the best. But also, I would say there's Checkers and Arby's, which have like the red season fries. Those yeah. things can make love. Oh, to man. Me. Uh, I mean, the Arby's curly fries. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> They're wonderful. Give me those, a big beef and cheddar and a toilet, and I'll be good for an afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> a toilet. <laughs> oh, my God. You just eat them directly on the toilet. Because <laughs> it's coming right out in a few minutes anyways. Yeah. I yeah, mean, it's just a, it's fashion. more of a it's a timing thing. Oh, and I've had binge sessions where I've ordered in the middle of the night. This is like several years ago where I'd order. Like the the ten no, it's twelve pack from Crystal Burger, where half of them are the chicken crystals and then half of them are regular Crystal Burgers, and I eat like almost the entire thing. Oh, say. <laughs> I miss White Castle and Crystal. Oh yeah, White Castle Crystal, pretty much same thing. Yeah. Um, but God, that's so terrible for you. <laughs> okay. All right, so let's go to the other end of the spectrum. What's the first like fancy restaurant or fancy dining experience you remember? Oh, I I remember going to a place with my dad and my sister. I think it was for her birthday with her friends. And my dad was being real flashy as he can he could be sometimes. And it was this fancy steak restaurant, I think called 
Peter Scotts, which is ironic because later on in life, my stepdad's name is Scott and his son's name is Peter. Peter. <laughs> which, but, but we went to a place called Peter Scott. That's how I always remember the name of it. And it was so fancy. I'm like, this is really expensive. He's, he's going to pay for all of her friends, too. And so we get the bill and it's just it was really good. But I was like not very excited by steak back then. I just because I've just been turned off by it. But now I like steak a lot. But at the end of the meal, they get the check. And my dad looks at it. And he goes, guys, just just hang on for me. I'll be right back. He goes across the street and he has to go to the ATM to get more cash because it was so I'm expensive. Sure. And he comes back because we didn't really have there wasn't even really debit cards back then. I don't even think was there. I don't even know when debit cards came around, but they would create credit cards pretty early on. But I don't think debit came around till later. So you had to have cash on you or a credit card. And so he wasn't going to use a credit card. So he wouldn't get more cash. And so yeah, I remember that experience being very fancy and us going to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse for, I think, prom or something. One of those events. Prom or senior year. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a very fancy place. So those are like earlier fancy places that we went. Um, but yeah, many more since yeah. then. What about you? Uh, yeah, I would forgotten about Ruth's Chris, but you're absolutely right. We took our dates there because it was like family style. And so we were like, we can split X, Y, and Z and save a little bit of money. You know, it was that sort of right logistics. And this is the place, folks, they bring the steak out to you and it's currently sizzling with the butter it's coming like off in of it. butter. Mm. Yeah. And I remember you specifically, yours came out sizzling in butter and there was a pop of butter and it got on your shirt or your tie. Yes. And you, were, you were so distressed. <laughs> That's a good word you for it. You were so distraught by this. I am distraught. Uh <laughs> So my fancy, my first like fancy early dining experience is we went to visit my brother in Seattle and I think that he had either just got a promotion or maybe it was his birthday or something. And so my parents booked reservations at the place at the top of the Space Needle. Oh, nice. It might be called like the Skyline. I don't know. I can't remember the name. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was 12 or 13 and I remember he went on their website and looked and they had a dress code. Oh, the fact that they had a website was kind of amazing, but it was Seattle and it was sort of an expectation. Um, and he called them and talked to somebody and he's like, so I've got my 12, 13 year old son. We didn't bring any dress clothes for him. If I bring him in, in like a shirt and shorts, is he going to be allowed in? And they said, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Not shorts. So my probably. dad, my dad was pissed. So we go out to like the gap and buy me a pair of slacks and a nice sweater <laughs> and we had to buy me a pair of shoes because i only brought sneakers because we were going on vacation to seattle right. um, and my dad just spends all this money to give me this thing and we go up to the Tyler space field and there are people up there just dressed in whatever the hell what the hell all over the place guys in hawaiian shirts and shorts people in flip-flops and my dad was Yes, I would be. My dad was so pissed that he had spent all this money to get me an outfit for nothing. (laughs) Jeez. Things I remember, uh, the skyline is really cool. And if you haven't been to the top of Space Needle, it actually rotates. Yeah. So you rotate about once an hour. So in like a two hour family meal, we got to see the whole city twice, like all Puget Sound two times. Uh, Not only that, the center spins, but the outside wall doesn't. And so because of that, people can leave notes. And so like tables are writing each other notes or like asking for recommendations on what to get and then putting it on the thing. That's cute. And it would go around the, the, and you'd take a note off and write something and put it back and it would keep traveling around. It's like a communal experience. Yeah. So that was pretty neat. But yeah, my dad was pissed. <laughs> and we went, I went to one similar to that. There's the Weston hotel in Atlanta when I lived in Atlanta for uh, five years, I think it was. And um, normally I couldn't really afford to go there, but I think I went for a Valentine's day drink once with, with a girl I was dating at the time. And it's also, it 
spins as well very slowly so you can and each part of the, it's all windows all the way around and they put the a placard saying what part of atlanta you're looking out on which neighborhood you know um and in the center they have a little jazz band playing so like the jazz band stationary and you're kind of floating around the jazz band as you're looking out across atlanta and i think one drink is like 14 dollars. you know so we had like maybe two drinks and we had dinner at some cheap place afterwards. Oh but, man, those are strip club prices. <laughs> I wouldn't know. Uh, what a $22 Michelob. <laughs> yeah. What are we at the airport? What's going on here? <laughs> but, uh, and I would say one of the fancier places I've been was a place just the couple of weeks ago with my girlfriend for our two year anniversary, we went to a place called the ravenous pig. And I actually sent Steve and a couple of our buddies a picture of what I have because it's one of the more adventurous things I've eaten, which will go to our next question, too, um, because we had in one sitting, we decided to get a bunch of appetizers instead of like just one meal for each of us. We got beef tartare, which if you're not familiar, folks, it's raw beef, uh, but prepared in a certain way where it's safe. Uh, we had bone marrow, just a giant bone of a cow cut in half with the marrow sitting there and you just take some crackers and pull it on out of there and then squid. So we had this table full of exotic food and you could see nice. the tentacles. And so, and my girlfriend has assured me cause I've had squid a long time ago. And I didn't like it cause it was so chewy. And she's like, if it's prepared, right, it shouldn't be that chewy. And so I put this piece in my mouth with this, like this aioli sauce they had, it just melted away. I and mean, I could feel a little bit of the weird tentacle rubbery things there, but it kind of melts away in a minute after cause it's prepared so well, it was delicious. What's some of like the weirdest things that you've eaten? Yeah, I don't really eat weird stuff. I mean, that's fair. I mean, but would there be one thing that stands out? Like, oh, that was kind of strange. And that's why I never ate it again. I had like an oyster once and almost vomited. So that was <laughs> that was kind of it. An oyster once. Oh my god! Shellfish for the the consistency of shellfish, the like rubbery, bouncy texture, just does not does not play well. I get with it with my mouth. And they don't have much flavor necessarily on their own. They're supposed to be ate with something. So like a, a sauce of some sort, some horseradish, some hot sauce, some some kind of butter, um, like escargot. I've had a few times snails. It's, uh, it just tastes like the butter that it's in. That's pretty much all. I mean, I guess the most exotic thing I ever ate was uh, at a place called Beth's Cafe. I'm not sure exotic extreme might be the better idea. <laughs> Beth's Cafe in Seattle, who's notorious for doing these huge omelets. Ooh, sounds great. Um, and it's this big thing to like go in and eat a best cafe omelet. So I went in and I had their six egg omelet platter. Oh my gosh. It's a six egg omelet, a whole plate of hash browns. And I mean a whole plate of hash browns. Like six pieces of toast and something else. These plat it's huge. It's like a fucking pizza tray filled with an omelet. <laughs> That's ridiculous. And I ate the whole thing. Every part of that dish? All of Because my buddy Jeff said if I ate the whole thing, he would pay for it. <laughs> and he regretted every inch of it. And so did I. Oh, eventually. I'm sure. <laughs> Just like when you tried the milk challenge that one time. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about the gallon challenge. I don't know. If, did we talked about that on this show? Maybe, but it is food related. So, <laughs> yeah. Last day of senior year, there were like six of us and we were going to do the gallon challenge. If anyone doesn't know what this is, it takes on it's it's like an urban legend almost. And depending on who you talk to, there's different rules and stuff. But for ours, it was you had to drink the the gallon. At least I think on paper it was you have to drink the gallon in under an hour. <laughs> and then you have to keep it down for an hour. Right. And so by the end of the day, 
It's just me and one other guy who have not backed out of doing this. I never even started. I just wasn't even going to try it. No, but the, at the beginning of the day, there were like seven of us that said yeah. we were going to do it. And by the end, it was just me and this other idiot. <laughs> so we go over to someone's house. We go over to this guy's house. It was his, yep. his house and his parents weren't home yet. Um, and him and I start going. And I get about three quarters of the way through it. And I just you just feel the worst you've ever felt. <laughs> In your whole life. Ever in your whole life. And I keep going and I just feel like I'm going to die. And I realize that like, I don't want to wait it out. I know that and I'm not going to be better 20 minutes from now. No, it's going to be worse. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm not going to take the whole hour. So I get the thing in front of me as quick as I can. Probably about 20 minutes in. I'm down to the last inch or two. And I feel just vomitous. (laughs) And so I say to myself, I need to get this all inside my body right now, or it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I stand and I do one final power chug. Oh God. I remember, I think I have it done. I put it down. And then this kid, J-Ho goes, there's a little bit left in the bottom. And I look at sure enough, there's like a sip in there. <laughs> no. So I go, oh, I have to raise it to my mouth one last time. I get it down. I like walk around my hands on my hips. <laughs> Maybe 30 seconds. 30 seconds might be generous. Mm -hmm. And then I just vomit cold (laughs) milk everywhere. (laughs) Just everywhere. Oh my God. And it was, I remember it being pink. Everyone's vomit was pink because he vomited too, I think. Oh, he did. And he will maintain to this day. I remember he was like, no, I got the whole thing inside of me. No, that's absolutely false. That is absolutely false. I don't remember him getting the whole thing. Maybe he did, but I don't remember that. Well, the other thing is, is that him and I had this like this rivalry of one usmanship that yep. that I could just see him being like, no, I did it <laughs> like at the time. But no, he did not. <laughs> he had maybe a quarter of that thing left when we both finally threw up. It's just it was like pink milk everywhere. It was because I had had like candy earlier in the day or something. <laughs> Yeah, pink cold milk everywhere. And we were in the backyard at that point. So, it was and then we insane. went to like a nice dinner, like a graduation <laughs> dinner at a place. I wish I could even remember. It was towards downtown Orlando. Mm-hmm. It, and we sat at a big round table, and there was like a mural thing on the ceiling. I wish I could remember what the hell it was called. Oh, it wasn't like Buca de Beppo or the Bubble Room was, or something. It was not either of those. I can assure you of that. <sighs> Oh, man, I don't know how you ate dinner after that. I ordered a big glass of milk and just went for it. <laughs> Let's have some more milk. Sounds like a great idea. I'm in the mood for dairy, anyone? <laughs> well, I don't do any of those challenges, uh, but I also have tried. The only thing I think of is tripe, which is basically, uh, I think, pig intestine. It's uh, cow stomach. Or cow. No, I, I, it was intestine, though, not stomach. Definitely because mm. it's tubular. It's in little tubes. Um, then that wasn't tripe. No, tripe is 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 uh, the intestine. Uh, st- stomach they call um the other name that's in um ramen and stuff. There's a name for that. But anyways, needless to say, it was with the our tripe, our the first or second stomach of a cow. First or second stomach. They have two stomachs. Yes, they've got multiple. Well, so what what you had is um I think chitlin technically. Is that what? The, well, it was tubular. And not like tubular do, but like it was tube like. And it was. I'm just saying. Yeah, I've also chitterlings are our intestines. There we go. Well, it was in a, a pho, which I like pho, the soup, the Vietnamese soup. That's how it's pronounced. And it's uh, 
We have a Vietnamese friend growing up who we talked about on the podcast before. Really cool guy. And he took us to an authentic Vietnamese restaurant. Um, I, I think Steve might have been there. And I remember going to one such place with this individual. It may not have been this one. And it was in Little uh, Vietnam, which is an area of The place um, we Orlando. went to, we got crispy duck. I remember that was That's the probably delicious. He, he took me to like a real Asian restaurant. But I ventured to get this in, even though he told me what it was at the time, I still got it in my uh, fuck because it's like the most traditional way to get it. And I try things all the time, but this thing is just not worth eating because it was just so rubbery. You lose all the flavor by the time you're able to chew it down to swallow it. It's just not worth eating. So there's some things like that, that, oh, they're adventurous for the point of being adventurous, but like eating crickets and stuff like that, I'm not going to try because it's just going to be, I've heard people tell me it's just gritty and kind of like, it'll taste like whatever they put on it, like a Dorito, you know, but right at the same time, you know, you're eating a bug and it's going to be gritty and gross and not feel nice in your mouth. So I just don't want to eat that, you know, but I'll try brains at some point. I'm sure they have a nice consistency. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but Steve is not interested. No, nah, you let me know. You let me know. Well, how that goes. Yeah, I'll let you know. <laughs> but otherwise, I put hot sauce on everything. That's my last little food tidbit is I just love hot sauce on everything I can possibly have it on. Yeah, the things that so you, you're in Florida where like most things are open, but here it, indoor dining is still very tough. And the fact that we have two little ones makes it even tougher to pull off. Yeah, but man, I want to go so bad. Have you experienced hot pot? Hot pot? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. We discovered it relatively recently before the pandemic and then it hit and I just want hot pots so bad. Yeah, it's basically where they, people have a you have a, a pot in the middle of your booth, typically, at these places. And so they give you the raw meats and stuff like that. that You basically put in the boiling water um, and just cook yourself, basically, the kind of thing. It's kind of yeah, it's different, different flavored broths. You get spicy broth or pork broth and that kind of stuff. You cook meats, but then you also have potatoes and vegetables and stuff. And it's a big communal experience. It's fun. And it's it's fun and it is delicious. And then at the end, you have the broth that you basically flavored with the things you've ordered. Yeah. And so typically the last thing you have is the noodle and then you like make your own noodle soup out of the things that you have already had. It's pretty amazing. It's amazing. If you have not tried hot pot, there's all different types depending like basically every Asian country has its own version of hot pot. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay. So depending on the country origin it's from will depend on the type of hot pot you experience and the type of ingredients that are offered and that sort of thing. I thought it was nebulous as to where it was from. Um, but I'd say on that same note, from kind of foreign food that I tried once, which was really good, which I took twice now, Ethiopian food. Um, an Ethiopian oh, restaurant, yeah. you typically get a big bed of stuff that's on top of this spongy bread. And the idea is it's supposed to be communal as well. And everyone just digs their hands in there and grabs the spongy bread underneath and just kind of rips off a piece with the stuff on top of it. Already. Yeah, the like, bread is your utensil. Yeah. And I don't deal well with that because of germs and stuff since I was a kid, and especially not in the pandemic area. That doubt in Ethiopian uh-huh. restaurants survived this pandemic. But um, I, if I had my own little bo- plate of that, I'd be happy with the spongy bread and the stuff they eat with it. It's delicious. So definitely worth trying that out as well. Yeah, Ethian, Ethiopian food, spiced, not spicy. Oh, I like it spicy. <laughs> and then just straight to the toilet. And uh, what's like one genre of food? As a little closing thing, if we must. Yeah, uh, yeah let's of, close it up. Of food that you just don't typically like, you know? That's a seafood for me is really rough. I'll enjoy the occasional white fish, occasional salmon. 
but it pretty much ends there. Well, what about like an ethnicity, like a, a, a country kind of food, like as opposed to just seafood in general? Um, for me, it's not even like generally it's, it is really tough to find good Thai food. Oh, wow. We have a lot of good Thai food in Orlando. And, and I, it, it's honestly, it's because we got so spoiled in Seattle, uh. Seattle. I'm sure someone will argue with me. Seattle has the best Thai food in the United States. Hmm. I can think of multiple rundown rinky dink in a converted house places in Seattle that are better than the best Thai food that we have found in California. That's saying a lot. Like if you're ever in Seattle, go check out Quan Jai Thai or Tup Tim Thai. Uh, one is on the bottom of Queen Anne Hill, one's in Fremont, and they are both phenomenal. And they're both the rinkiest, dinkiest places you can imagine. Those can often be the best. I'm telling you, some of the best food I've had has never been in, I mean, not never, but typically not in the most expensive of restaurants. It's in places that you just find and that are affordable and they give generous portions. Um, whereas you go to an expensive restaurant, pay two or three times as much, get about a fourth of the amount of food. Um, and rarely is that worth that quality. Um, I will say ravenous pig the other day was worth the quality. Oh my God, it was really good. Oh yeah. But, but, um, and I would say my least favorite genre as far as like ethnicities of food, um, unfortunately is Greek food. I just don't like a lot of the grape leaves and like the, there's a lot of mushy foods in Greek foods and like, um, a lot of starchy kind of things. And it's just like heavy cooked and long cooked. Yeah. Boiled things. And it's just, it doesn't appeal to me. It's, it's not that I can't eat it, but like, it's just not something I'm, I'm going to go for. It's just not exciting to me, but yeah, that's fair. Same thing with German food. Like oh, German I love food some German is food. Like, <laughs> yeah, we could boil that. <laughs> but man, give me some Wiener schnitzel, man, and some sauerkraut. Mm, mm, I'm all over it. All over it. it. <laughs> so that wraps up this episode of the Happy Crab Podcast. Hope we made you uh, very hungry. That's right. Join us again next time when we're going to talk about something so extreme that we don't even know what it is yet. Oh, my God. So thanks for joining us for this delightful stumble down memory lane. And don't forget, the good old days weren't always that good. But they were delicious. Mmm, God. Uh. This podcast was brought to you by A Play on Nerds.